Welcome to the fifth episode of the Mental Illness Spotlight. My name is Alyssa, and I'm your host. Today on our show, we'll be discussing Borderline Personality Disorder, or BPD. Borderline Personality Disorder is a serious mental disorder marked by a pattern of ongoing instability in moods, behavior, self-image, and functioning. These experiences often result in impulsive actions and unstable relationships. Today, we'll be going beyond the definition, talking to our three panelists who will share their own experiences with BPD. Today, we have Dave, Danielle, and Katie, who will be talking with us. Before we begin, it's important to note that the Mental Illness Spotlight is not a substitute for professional mental health treatment, and that the opinions stated on this show are not coming from mental health professionals. Now, let's begin with our first question. Tell us a little bit about yourself. You can talk about who you are, what you do, and what diagnoses you have, if any. Who would like to go first? Hi, my name is Dave. Um, I was diagnosed with uh, bipolar, um, BPD, OCD, um, ADHD, and um, ADD. Um, but I don't know if uh, the bipolar or in the BPD, I'm kind of struggling on that one because I'm kind of thinking, for me anyway, that the uh, bipolar was just a junior BPD when I was younger. <laughs> and now that I've gotten older, it kind of matured into uh, BPD. Um, generally, I don't like to uh, be in uh, large groups of people. So for work, I ended up becoming a cleaner um, at a school for at night um, that we don't have to deal with people or whatnot. Sometimes uh, it's kind of fun um, being alone, but not really too much fun alone. But um, um, trying to uh, live with BPD um, is kind of hard because you never know what the day or the next five minutes is going to bring. So I don't know. It's kind of very interesting um, for other people to uh, interact with me. And it's actually kind of interesting for me to interact with myself. Um, sometimes I'm not even sure if I like myself or um, love myself. Um, but yeah, so that's a little bit about me. Well, thank you, Dave. Uh, my name is Danielle. I am a recovery specialist for Allegheny County, so I work on um, advocating for recovery and wellness and resiliency through systems change. Um, one cool, my favorite thing um, I love to do is I work on a project called Stand Together, which is uh, an anti-stigma initiative in middle and high schools. Um, I'm also the co-chair for the Depression and Bipolar Support Alliance Young Adult Council, so if you want to go get that online, we have podcasts and Q&As and um, young people living sharing their stories called them living proof. So it's uh, awesome. So, and yeah, I just do advocating and whatever else I feel like doing in my free time. <laughs> well, thanks, Danielle. Awesome. By the way. <laughs> um, my name's crazy Katie. <laughs> I'm uh, artistic and been on disability for like 12 years now. Yeah. I've been misdiagnosed as bipolar, but my uh, core diagnoses are the ADHD, the BPD, depression and anxiety, and PTSD. So yeah, I'm pretty fucked up. Um, and I run a borderline support group uh, in Pittsburgh, 
and uh, it's at, you can find us on meetup at bpdteam412, that's one word, um, and we try and meet once a week if possible, and we're trying to develop develop it more and, you know, do the website and all that other fun stuff. So that's, that's the short version. Well, thanks, Katie. And we'll have everyone's links in the show notes so you can check out all these awesome projects. I was going to say too, Danielle. Um, yeah. So apparently my diagnosis doesn't matter because I just skipped over <laughs> that part. That's okay. Um, <laughs> but I am diagnosed as bipolar disorder and borderline personality disorder. And, uh, like Dave, um, I think sometimes they're a little, the lines easy to kind of cross or hard to tell the difference, especially for a lot of professionals. So I'm um, sure we'll talk about that later, but I am clinically both of those. So even though it's, it's difficult, uh, I do have both those. So I'm not just someone that's just randomly off the street coming in and being like, Hey, I'm gonna do this podcast. No, I actually am affected. <laughs> so <laughs> just to let you know. <laughs> well, yeah, thanks for that. And, um, now we'll go into our second question. How would you describe BPD to someone who is unfamiliar with the diagnosis, which happens to be a large portion of the population? Whoever wants to go first. Okay, I'm ready <laughs> for once. Okay, here's my um, how to relate this to everybody. Okay, everybody knows that uh, bipolar is the roller coaster and everything. Okay, BPD is the entire fucking amusement park okay let's take Kennywood for example so you have the Thunderbolt you know which is a wicked ride if it still exists it does um (laughs) (laughs) you know uh the Steel Phantom Pitfall anything like that where it's just it's fast and it's wicked I don't say I'm not saying we're wicked or anything um but then you have like the merry-go-round so now we're just going up and down we're not like really like way out of control or anything but it's just kind of like cruising along a little bit um then there's like the whip so you're going like this and it's like jerky movement you know your head rips off um <laughs> you know yeah, it's it's a, yeah. yeah. and then it's kind yeah pretty much <laughs> um the uh swing shot where you're going up and you're kind of digging the ride but then you get right at at the top of that point where like you're losing your lunch and you're kind of excited but you're scared at the same time and then you're just going then you go right to the other side and you're hanging on for dear life and screaming your ass off and (laughs) then we move over to uh kitty land because um, sometimes we're the two-year-old having a temper tantrum. <laughs> right on. Yeah, so you know, true. we're just, it's just like, leave me here. All I want to do is have a little fit. Um, and then the old ghost ship, if anybody remembers that. I remember that ride. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where it's all dark and scary and you don't know what's going to pop out and the floors are all creaky and, you know, you're just like kind of waiting for it to... And then for a second, you feel like you're dead. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you want to get the hell out of there and everything. So, um, and then here's a like little funny note on the ghost ship. And I think this is really relatable to the whole BPD thing. Um, and I found this note this morning. 
it said that it eventually burned to the ground due to faulty wiring. And I'm thinking, oh, that's the epitome of BTPD because, like, you're okay one day, and next next thing, like, either you want to burn something down that ground or you're, you're your brain's on fire and you're burning to the ground. So mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of appropriate. So. That's a great illustrative I example. <laughs> Who? Yeah. How are we going to follow that? I, I know. Oh, I'm sorry. dying. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Um, we're starting with a bang today yeah. on the and mental illness spotlight. <laughs> Leave on a good note, right? Well, yeah, awesome thing. I think a lot of people will understand BPD now with that great analogy. So Yeah, because it's not things. For me, it's more of like a uh, constant tug of war. So um, like pushing and pulling. So a big deal, and I know I talk about this later a lot, is um, pushing away people, mm-hmm. places, things, anything. Um, to avoid getting too close, to avoid my expectations being completely destroyed. Um, but then I basically lasso people in places and things, and they're stuck <laughs> to me forever um, because I don't want them to leave me. So, and constantly I'm like, I hate you. I love you. Like, I can't figure out what the hell I want to do with you. <laughs> um, but it's just, I, I never know how I'm going to feel about a certain person on a certain day. Um and that's really hard, not destroys relationships, and it's really hard for our trust. Trust mm-hmm. is, like, the biggest, biggest, biggest issue in my life because it's a vicious cycle. Like, I want to trust people, and then, oh, they'll show me a little glimmer of hope or whatever, um, and then they'll do something stupid as hell, and then I just want to <laughs> be like, go away from me for the rest of your life. Like, I literally had this happen um, this past weekend where my, my parents were here, and um, they were being super nice. And I was like, all right, well, maybe I'll go see them one another day because I don't ever do that. Um, no, got there. Everything shitstorm. And I called them and I was like, I'm leaving. I'm done. I fucking hate you. <laughs> like, um, so the, they're extreme people anyway, which is probably part of my issues. But, um, yeah, just, just constant push and pull with mm-hmm. everyone and everything. And, you know, when you talk about, like, all the different rides, like, um, and you don't ever know what's coming up so you don't even get to choose what ride you're on you're just here there and everywhere and sometimes it's so circumstantial too like you might be in the middle of that tug of war rope and you have no idea what's going on around you so um or somebody lets go like you're, oh, yeah. you, you know what i'm saying like all of a yeah. sudden it's like oh yeah i'm holding on to this and then it's like oh they let go and it's like oh, what the i love you and you yeah. love me yeah awesome thank you for trashing my life you know yeah and that's great too Something I really relate to is how sticky things can be. Like, it's so hard. Like, if you're driving your car and someone cuts you off and yells at you, that can just stick to you for so long. You know, like, normally someone would just let that go. But if you have BPD, it's just like it stays on your brain and you can't get it off. It gets stuck to your fingers. You try to throw it. It's still there. It's like frustrating because you know that you should be able to let it go, but you can't. Four days later. Yeah, four days, four later. days later, still <laughs> angry about the same it's thing. It's like an endless loop. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, I just want it to stop, and mm-hmm. it's hard to get rid of, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I tend to stick with it, and then I want to plot revenge, and then, like you said, a week <laughs> later, I'm like, oh, wait, I'm still on this? Wait, wait, why am I? I've been pissed off so many times before, the, or after that, since that, and yet I'm still on this one particular thing. Yeah, for me, it's the same thing. I, um... I push people away and pull them at the same time. Um, I don't know. Usually at my house, when I enter any of the rooms, the animals, the kids, the adults, everybody just 
silence until I guess they get a feel for what mood I am. And I'm like, oh, thank God, let me know, because I had no idea what I was. Um, which, it's really sad, because I, I like being, you know, an upbeat type of person. I like to uh, have fun and, you know, chill with people. But, and I totally wouldn't like being around me. I wouldn't, I'd be like, oh my God, he's here again. Um, so, yeah, I, I totally could... I feel so bad for the other people in a room when I walk in a room and I'm like, oh, wait, this is not a good thing. Everybody's staring at me. It's not a good thing. That's right. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty hard whenever you um, you have no idea what emotion you're dealing with until it comes and hits you at the last minute. Um, and sometimes so, you don't know why. Yeah, and that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's the, thing, the hard yeah. part. Yeah, you have no like, idea. Where the <laughs> fuck did this come from? I'm not dealing like with anything like that would have even remotely made me feel like that. But now my head's in this space, and yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. I honestly, I've gone to funerals and I've had no emotions with it. But let me miss the last five minutes of something on Disney, and I'm burning the house down. <laughs> I'm like super pissed now at this point. I'm like, I don't know, or um. I, I guess I don't know about you guys, but almost like a conspiracy thing. Like, oh my God, you're just out to get me. Everybody's out to get me. I <laughs> can't stand this. I can't deal with this. I don't want to talk to nobody. And again, the whole pushing and pulling. Um, I break up with my boyfriend every day or, you know, type of thing. But if he would go to leave, I'm like, dude, I'm slashing your tires. You're not going nowhere. <laughs> I have to deal with this. You have to deal with this. So, um, which I feel really bad for him because, you know, he has to deal and he's probably trying to think like, I think I love him, but I have no idea how to deal with this. Um, should I leave? And I'm like, because there's many times that we have a sit down and I'm like, you should really get out of this. Like, I am looking out for your benefit. And he's like, oh, then thank you. you know, if I'm you want to live, you need to leave. You, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you don't want hurt. And then he goes to pack a bag and I'm like, what? You're packing a bag? This is the worst thing that's ever happened in my life. So then. Don't, don't leave me. Don't leave me. Please don't leave me. Yeah, exactly. I don't even know what emotion I'm dealing with. Like. I don't know, I'm lobby one minute and then the next minute. I'm like, do you remember that thing you said to me three years ago? <laughs> yeah, I'm still holding on to it. I'm pissed. Um, so, yeah, and then, I don't know, I try to be cool with my son because he's young. So I don't really want to drag all of this onto him type of thing. Um, but it's, I don't know, I guess he knows me at this point because he ignores me half the time whenever I'm, it's just like, whatever, he'll be, my dad will be back in five minutes type of thing. So he, I, I guess that's a lot of a BPD is a waiting game. Just just wait, the normal me will be back around eventually. But um, I've noticed that, especially with me, um, I tend to, like, when I'm in a good mood or some good life is going great, I'm like, oh, I conquered BPD. I'm not BPD no more. <laughs> I just gave it up, like, cigarettes and drugs. And then 20 minutes later, and I'm like, oh, I think I got two of them now. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I, it, it's totally hard because you try to go to therapists or doctors or whatnot, and you may not be having an episode or whatnot at that moment. So it's kind of just kind of talking about it. But... And it's like, you know what, I'm about to just go live at a doctor's house for about a week or two. And there you go. You this is my life. Time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, exactly. This is a good transition into our next question, which is about uh, BPD and therapists. Because there is a common stereotype in just general society, but also in psychiatry, that BP, uh, BPD is untreatable. 
Uh, so what are your opinions about this stereotype and what treatments have you used to treat or manage your BPD, whether it be clinical treatments or coping mechanisms? Like, let's talk all about this treatment stuff. Um, so not even just therapists, but stigma in general. Like, everyone thinks you're just out of control. Like, they have no idea how to deal with you, so they're just going to be like, see ya, I don't need you in my life. You shouldn't have anybody in your life. They want to just throw you the straight jacket and call it a day because at <laughs> least they know you're in that bumper room and you're going to be fine and not hurt anybody else or yourself for like five seconds because we're smart, so we always figure a freaking way out how to get out of something. But then we might actually put ourselves back in it. Um, so I think the big thing is that like everybody thinks so. You're out of control and you just stay away. Mm-hmm. Um And I want to be like, well, how about if you were me? Because I have to live with this day in and day out. I can't leave myself. Um, And it sounds really bad because, you know, people are just like, we don't get you. And, you know, they'll, they'll try to run tests and they'll be like, well, there's not a chemical imbalance. So you're fine. You're fine. Everything's freaking fine. It's all in your head. You're all, you're all imagining all these weird relationships and you have this paranoia that people are going to leave you. Um, or you're always upset with me. Um, and it's just, it's just constant, like, and you just can't, like, people just don't understand. And like, I don't even understand myself. So I think that's the biggest thing is how, if I don't understand myself to get that to other people, Mm -hmm. like, and I don't want, like, I don't want other people to avoid me and say I'm out of control. But at the same time, I also know that personally I'm out of control and you should probably avoid me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, so, yeah, I think that the, the stigma, like, that plays into other people as well as ourselves. Like you said, we have no idea how or what it really is ourselves. Um, and, yes, people like to say that it's in our head. And, well, no shit, that's exactly where it's at. <laughs> um, but me, I'm the type, I, I, I guess it's more of, like, almost a heart-feeling thing for me. So, because I generally feel bad, um, not for long, but I do generally feel bad whenever I have, I, I don't know, like, not a panic attack in an episode uh, or whatnot. But, and you um, flip the fuck out. And I flip the fuck <laughs> out. I, I destroy so much stuff, and then afterwards, I'm like, that was my favorite. Like, <laughs> now, now I gotta I'm pick sad. it up. <laughs> now I'm sad. I know, and then I'm a cleaner, so I'm like, shit, now I gotta clean up after myself. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so that's the hard part is trying to describe it Um without i i guess this is really it is doing a podcast where everybody just sounds like we're gonna kill somebody or something <laughs> like is this help did we get disability yet um so yeah it, it's kind of hard it's it's really weird trying to talk about it when you like you said you have no idea yourself um or why not um so yeah i guess for me it's like well i'm i guess slightly but surely i'm finding out what i'm capable of so does it uh- Okay, I'm going to step in here. But at the same time, we're not the people that um, other people should really be concerned about because we're very emotional. We're very sensitive. We're not the, like, we may be crazy, but we're not, like, psychotic. And we'll do harm to ourselves before we do harm to other people. Yeah, maybe we break shit or whatever um, and go blah, 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 but... Um, we're not, um, I don't think we're capable of, you know, hurting anybody else. So, and I think that's where a big thing is like, oh, they have BPD, you better stay the fuck away from them, you know? So that's my two cents on that too. I think we're more self-aware because we have such intense emotions. Um, and like you kind of touched upon it, Dave, where you're like, 
I feel really, really guilty that I just freaking exploded on someone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the hardest part because not only do we feel the highs is super high and the lows is super low, but that guilt is just so consuming. Like, wow, I just literally, like you said, broke my favorite thing or I literally just screamed, get the fuck out of my life, and then someone leaves, which of course is a whole other thing. Um but then I feel bad for it. And when you talked about like feeling bad about, you know, oh, someone just cut you off or, you know, and I like will be like, oh, I'm mad about that for four days. If I feel guilty about something, it could be weeks, mm. it could be months, and it could be something like ridiculously small. Like I said a rude comment to somebody, one of my friends, and for like months on end, I'm like, that person hates me. Mm-hmm. And it was like something and they don't even care. Like, yeah. they yeah. literally don't even care. And they're, like, calling you being like, what's wrong? I love you. Why won't you be my friend? And you're, you're like, sopping in your own guilt when they don't even care. And that guilt can be so overwhelming because, at least for me, sometimes it carries over to other relationships. Like, if I had a bad experience with an ex, sometimes that guilt will carry over to the new relationship even though there has not been that situation at all. I'll be like, oh, I feel so guilty about this thing. And the person's like, I didn't do that. Like, that was for somebody else. And I'm like, I know, but it it matters. to It affects everyone now because that's just how consuming it is. Or like, if they know that, they say, I'm not that person. Yeah. And cognitively, I know that. But because of how my BPD works, like everything just patterns itself in my head and everything's going to happen again and the world's going to freaking crash. So mm-hmm. in my head... That's gonna happen. Yeah. And it is hard dealing with that. It is like a tug of war between that guilt, but also like the intense stigma that people throw on you and trying to like get through that. I know there is a lot of stigma amongst mental health professionals for BPD. I remember recently I read an article by a psychiatrist. This is a medical doctor, a psychiatrist. And he said, I'm going to paraphrase, but this is about what he said. The borderline, when having a new therapist, (laughs) will either self-harm in order to get attention and build trust or attempt to seduce the therapist in a way to have this intense building of trust. And I'm like, okay, first of all, you don't get to say the borderline. (laughs) (laughs) And second, like, I I I have never tried to seduce my therapist or self. He said self-harm in front of the therapist at the session. I'm like... Okay, some people might do that. It's not connected to borderline. It means that someone needs treatment, and that's okay. But, like, to just make that giant, especially by a doctor. I was like, and this is published on the web. Like, Is, is he a real doctor? Yes, I mean, like, a real doctor. <laughs> doctor Seuss. Uh, yeah, doctor <laughs> Seuss, Dr. Phil. I mean, that, that doesn't sound, that's not very professional. No, it's not. I don't know where he got his facts, but out of everything I've ever heard, read, Mm-hmm. experience i've never heard of anybody yeah that's not how that's not how we operate yeah the way <laughs> if you cut yourself like in front of someone like if you have bpd you're gonna know that they're not gonna trust you so you're gonna do everything you can to be on your best behavior or to look good mm-hmm. or to sound good or like to build that trust because like you don't want to lose that person you don't want to lose that relationship you don't mm-hmm. want like that therapist if you finally clicked to leave yeah Exactly. Like that, it, it, this person did not understand at all because you're not going to make those extreme gestures when you want someone to stay, even though sometimes you might push someone away. You know, it's hard. It's hard dealing with all of these stereotypes and the stigma and all of that stuff. 
So for our next question, we can talk about um, BPD and how you guys manage it in your everyday life, whether clinically or coping mechanisms wise. I know for me, I do do talk therapy with a therapist who specializes in trauma, and that has been amazing. Um, I actually do telepsychiatry, so over the computer, and I've established a really great relationship with my therapist. But in addition to that, um, I don't take medications personally, so I am very strict as far as alternative treatments. I do acupuncture, massage therapy, sensory deprivation tanks or float tanks. Um, and I also do a lot of diet and exercise, which really helps kind of take my widely ranging moods and kind of like compress them so that they're maybe closer to normal levels of mood. Hmm. So I'm interested to know what you guys do, whether it's, like I said, clinical treatment, coping mechanisms, anything like that. My thing um, has always been like talk therapy. So, and I've been doing that for 35 years. Um, that's always helped. Um, I did a little bit of the uh, CBT. Mm, I love DBT. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> I lied. It's DBT. And that's uh, dialectical behavioral therapy for anyone yes, that's not aware. Thank you. Um, Google that. <laughs> Google it. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've been wanting to start meditation. Um, but the, my big thing is like music. I'm, mm. I just like, cause you can do that anywhere, anytime. And that's just put in your headphones or crank up the stereo, whatever you want to do. And you can do it in that, in the car, you know, when some jackass cuts you off or whatever. <laughs> so, um, although that doesn't always work, it's a possibility. Um, but I think that uh, doing that and getting a support group um, and having people listen, understand you, and that that's really been huge. Because mm -hmm. um, if they don't understand or if they're not willing, because there, there are people that you talk to and they don't want to hear it or they don't want to believe that you have it like they're kind of in disbelief and it's like oh well you seem so normal <laughs> it's yes. hard work let yeah, me tell you i know right yeah. it's yeah, hard work it's... appearing normal yeah yeah spend a, a day with me bitch right <laughs> um so other than that uh yeah i think the the um support is just a huge huge um Part. Mm -hmm. no matter if it's friends family yeah anything like that supports huge well thanks for sharing for me um i'm i like to smoke pot so that has that usually it, when i'm angry it just brings me completely down and i'm like you know what i don't care i, I just i don't give a shit about whatever the hell's going on um and i do like to drink but drinking actually fuels my anger size i'm like yeah, maybe i should but i love drinking so i don't want to quit that i'd rather quit the dvd but, um, <laughs> if only yeah so do you have any positive coping skills <laughs> there was pot so i like to do pot a lot because it helps um i did try meditating but i don't want to say there's voices in my head but i end up getting lost or something i there's voices or something i'm constantly doing something up there 
So um, I tried meditating, but that just did not, that made things even worse. Um, so I guess I don't even know how to do the start of it. But um, I like to draw a lot, so I draw or watch a lot of cartoons. Um, that worked for me. When I was fostering my niece, who had way more problems than me, but um, she had a therapist. We had a whole team for her. And um, so, and I don't have a therapist. So I'm like, screw this. She gets a half an hour with the therapist, and as the adult, I get a half an hour. So I'm like, by the way, here goes my problems. Help me. Help her. Like, so I'd be on an elevator, and all of a sudden, I'm just telling you know the elevator person or anybody, like, oh, God. So I'm like, oh, maybe I should stop talking to people. But for me, talking has been kind of the big help for it. Um, and pot, pot, I'm serious, pot helps big time. So it I'm going to put me, it on my list. I, right, on the <laughs> website. I'm sorry. It just keeps me from hurting people or myself and burning the house down. At this point, yeah, I threaten to burn the house down on a daily. And my son's like, all right. So yeah, we just, not my son, but me. I keep but, um, yeah, so that's what works for me. So you can try pot. <laughs> Uh, all right. So I will not be talking about pot. Um, no, I don't. I've had in the past. Doesn't work for me. But um, so a big thing for me is uh, boundaries and time management. Oh my gosh, I need my self time. I need time by mm-hmm. myself. Or like that's how I regroup. That's how I ground. I gotta go in nature. I gotta like set something up. Um, I gotta make sure I don't overstress myself because I spend a lot of time um chasing other people, is what I call it. Um. So I need to stop doing that for at certain points. And um, a big thing for me is also escape plans. So before I go anywhere, I have to think of, our, all right, if something happens and I need to get out, what am I going to do? What's my cop out? Like instead of screaming and like throwing a fit and like injuring myself or somebody else, um, how can I think of a way in my head to make sure that I can get out there safely? Um, you know, Katie talked a lot about the support system. Like friends and family are huge. Um when I went to rehab and, uh, you know, you find out who your true friends are when people stop visiting you or they don't want to accept your phone calls anymore. Um, so I think you find out the people that really matters. And then, uh, you talk to about exercise, uh, cool thing. I'm a runner. So the cool thing is you can run anywhere. So when I talk about escape plans, some of my escape plans are literally physically running away, um, <laughs> which sounds ridiculous to most people, um, but that works for me because it gives me that private time. It gives me time to clear my head. Um, it's also the endorphins from the exercise, so that's good. Um, and then I can sort out my thoughts and hopefully come back to a place where I'm not like all over. And you know what? I'm going to jump jump on that bandwagon because um, – I totally forgot about like taking my own time out. Like I'll put myself in a corner and just, you know, not want to deal with anybody. And it's not personal towards anybody or, or anything. It's just like, I just need a time out. I don't, I can't talk to anybody because there's so much going on in my head. I can't speak clearly. I can't, I can't even think. Um, so yeah, that's how, absolutely one of the things that I do is I put myself in a timeout so I take a mental health day <laughs> oh yeah like I love oh, those yeah. mental health days walked into work on Friday was just b- 
bawling. And by the way, I also left my keys in my car with the car running. Um, so that was the start of the day along with 800 other things. So at that point, when I worked, walked into the office, told my boss, hey, I'm leaving, turned around and walked right back out because I knew it wasn't going to happen. Um, so like you said, knowing yep. yourself, like, I was trying. I did all my self-care things. I did my coping skills. I saw my therapist, blah, 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 blah. But at the end of the day, sometimes that stuff doesn't work. Mm -hmm. um, and you just have to shut down. Yeah, walk, walk away. Yeah, step away or put, put yourself in a room. Yeah. 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 Padded, preferably. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. That's why I like to drive everywhere because I always have a safe place in my car. If I take public transportation or an Uber or walk, I don't really have a place to retreat to, but if I have my car, I can go in my car and lock the doors and be alone for a second because public bathrooms don't always work because there's people in them most of the time. <laughs> so I know it's nice having that, like an escape plan of some sort. And you know what? That's actually, sorry, I came in here apparently unprepared, <laughs> um, but you guys are like, yeah, completely That's like, no, you're awesome. it's like, like, we oh, inspire I each other. Yeah. I totally forgot about that. Um, yeah. Ever since I, I could drive, that was like my big go-to, like get in the fucking car and drive away <laughs> as fast as I could. Yeah. I'll go lock myself in the woods somewhere, you know, like disappear for a day and I'm fine with that. And even now it, it's like my cars like my um yeah my big my big safe zone or my you know little escape bubble i don't know what to call it but um yeah because you know you have music there too so yeah mm -hmm. cars huge you can honk the horn really really hard oh too. yeah that's really fun <laughs> absolutely well now we're going to take a short break and we'll be back after the break with more questions Thanks Thank for listening. Yeah. So welcome back to the show. We'll dive right into our next question. Relationships are often difficult for those living with BPD, whether it be with loved ones or complete strangers. So how does BPD affect relationships in your life, if at all? Um, so... Relationships are pretty much the worst thing for a person with BPD, um, just because if you can't understand yourself and you're always going all over the place, it's hard for me to understand that someone else would be like, okay, I want to deal with that. Like, no, you don't. You don't want this in your life, I promise you. Um, so it, it's really hard because we're on a roller coaster and then we're subjecting other people to the roller coaster and then starts that guilt trip again and then it's just all over the place. Um, I do have an FP, which is a, a favorite person, um, which is my fiance, and it is completely, like, if I don't know who I am every day, up and down, I don't know where I'm going to be, um, how I'm going to react, it does make a lot of problems. Um, you can't have normal fights, um, <laughs> because it either gets super violent, or, like, he always tells me, like, you just need to leave, like, you need to walk away. Um, and of course, because I don't want him to leave, I just continue pressing and pressing and pressing and talking and talking and talking and digging myself into a bigger and bigger hole um, until then I even get worse and then I flip out and everything like that. Um, but then, of course, like he's walking away and I'm like, come back. No, I'm sorry. It was all my fault. Even though like 
It probably wasn't. Um, but the other thing is, like, people can't ask you typical questions. Um, for example, like, I like going to comedy shows. That's a big thing I like to do. Um, one day he's like, we should go to this big comedy thing. And I was like, no, I don't want to fucking go. Like, <laughs> why? Why would I say that? Like, this impulsive, like control that I don't have like this random anger towards something that for whatever reason for that moment for that split seconds I just decided I hated and I didn't want to do for the rest of my life um, so yeah not even just my FP but a lot of other people like the fact that I am so inconsistent is very very hard um, people don't know how to deal with that like they I probably scare a lot of people <laughs> um, to be honest but like I found like that that my friends um they're really there for me. They understand, like, when they need to give me my space, but also making sure that they check in on me. Um, because knowing that, yeah, I do need to be by myself sometimes. And it's not that I'm offensive or, like, I'm being rude to you or I hate you, but I'm doing this because I need it for me and I need to do it for our relationship. So um, it really takes a toll on all of them. And sometimes it's exhausting. Like, I know, Alyssa, you mentioned, I don't know if it was on the podcast, about, you know, putting on the face. And, like, everyone thinks you're normal, um, you know, and making them think that. Um, so it's exhausting just trying to have, quote, unquote, normal relationships with people. Yeah. And I find it's really hard. I spoke a little bit a little bit about this before to deal with that guilt from when you do do something wrong. But then people taking your normal emotions and assuming it's because of BPD, like taking Absolutely. away your right to your emotions. I know in a lot of relationships, I've been gaslighted or made to feel crazy because people know of my diagnosis and they know how I acted in the past. So even if I have normal emotions in the present tense, they act like I don't have a right to them because they're like, oh, you're just being borderline, where I just get sick of being constantly treated like I'm crazy when I'm just trying to be mad like every other person. Mm -hmm. You know, So balancing that is really hard. But you're like you're not you're lucky I'm not that mad. Yeah. <laughs> like, You'd know if I was that mad. Right? <laughs> yeah. uh, for me, for a relationship, um, the best way I can describe it is I think no matter how many people I've been with, um, it feels like just one relationship. No matter I'm still blaming everything on mm -hmm. every equally. You're all equally in trouble. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, me and my boyfriend, I think we broke up about a year and a half ago. I won't allow that to happen, so we're not breaking up anytime soon. Um, so, yeah, I feel bad for him. Um, he's supposed to be my best friend. We started off being like that. Um, probably enemies. Now, I think we're like frenemies or uh, something like that at this point. All of your relationships uh, are actually frenemies are when you have exactly. BPD? Yeah, it, exactly. So I, I feel bad again because, like, I don't want to put on, like, you're supposed to be my best friend, not someone that I put through all this crap. And um, we did start off being really good together and everything. And all of this just happened and everything in between just, you know, added fuel to the fire. So, yeah, it's just, it's constant fighting, even when we're not fighting. Um, we're fighting at this point now. When I text him, I'm like, by the way, I'm not fighting, just I'm having a good day. Like, for starters, it's not even good morning. It's like, I'm having a good day, just so he knows who he's dealing with, I guess. And that's the other thing. Like, um, I may have multiple emotions, but not multiple personality. Like, 
I'm not seven different people in one head, uh, but I am, I guess, seven different emotions in one head, and I guess it's kind of hard to tell which one's going to come out or when it will come out. So, like, we're fighting or whatnot, and he still wants to be mad the next day, and I'm like, oh, please, I'm over that. But yet, <laughs> someone, you know, moved the paperclip off the desk, and now I'm holding on to that for three years yeah. or something. Fighting over the stupidest, stupidest shit stuff. all the time. <laughs> yeah, and then finally, when I actually get that, you know, notion to like, oh, you know what? That was a really dumb thought. Like, <laughs> yeah. There's no need. You're gay. You were not even looking at that chick. Like, we need to fight. It's been a year and a half. We've been still fighting over it. So, and as I said, so I've been with both guys and girls and I, I don't know, like, both sides. It's funny because everybody's like, I'm going to be gay. I'm going to be a lesbian. I'm like, no. There's no better on this than either. <laughs> so either or with uh, whoever I'm with, um, it's just me. It's not them. Um, but then I think at the time, I know, I don't know if this is just me, you know, in my own little mind, but I'm like, I think they're trying to exploit my BPDs. Now I'm getting all defensive because I'm like, are they using that? Because my boyfriend's pretty smart and I'm like, He'd be the type to, you know, use my own mentalness against me. And then, again, here I am, you know, spider webbing, thinking of all these different scenarios. And yeah. he's like, I don't have to do anything. You've tortured yourself. <laughs> I can just sit over here. He's like, you know. I can just watch it unravel. <laughs> and that's exactly it. You know, sitting on a couch is a task. Because I'm like, why are you way over there? Like, what? You can't sit up. And I'm not even Why like aren't that. you holding my hand right now? Exactly. What the hell did I do? But yet, I'm the type, like, I want space and everything. But then I'm like, I, I don't know. Why don't you want me? And I guess it's kind of almost like, a, a, I don't know, is that abandonment issues? Like, yeah. I don't need you to want me, but I need to know that I am wanted, I guess, mm -hmm. or something like yeah. that. Like, yeah, but just like, don't get cl too close to me. We don't have to, to hold hands. Right. Yeah. yeah, we don't have to hold hands, <laughs> but I just want to know that you would like to. <laughs> right? Yeah. I don't want to be touched right now, but yeah. I want to know you still want to. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Just send me a little text that, you know, holding hands or something. You know. <laughs> yeah. We'll make an Have, emoticon. Yeah. <laughs> there are BPD With emoticons. It's called all know. of them. <laughs> yeah. I know. All of all them at once. once. Yeah. Haven't you ever sent a text like that? Because I send texts like that all the time that have like eight or nine and they don't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, or it starts here and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, you use a smiley face and it's like, ah, a red second later, face. now I hate you. Yeah. 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 In the middle of sending the happy ones. Yeah. <laughs> Change my mind. It's like falling on your keyboard all at once. <laughs> um, uh, are you? I'm done. Go ahead. Okay. Hey, thanks. Um, I I wanted to say like um, relationships for me like my family is pretty much okay with it like I said there's some part of my family um, but they're crazy themselves so that doesn't count but uh, most of my family is very supportive um, but what I wanted to say is my husband who would rather rename main, remain nameless, <laughs> um, would he wants a divorce because he can't deal with it. And I completely agree because I can't deal with myself, you know? It's very hard for us to be um, us, us people. <laughs> The normal, the, the normal crazies. 
Yeah. Um, you know, the land of the misfits and all that other stuff. Like, we have our own little world and our brains are going a million miles an hour. And it is very hard to be in our own brains on a daily fucking basis. I don't know how to make that any clearer to anybody else. Um, that should be, like, super underlined, highlighted. Um, but uh, it's... I know it gets worse for me when I, I don't have that um, support and understanding. Um, and I'm not expecting anybody to completely get it either. But what happens is uh, the same thing you guys were talking about. Um, having little things happen and then all of a sudden um, I think like between the two of us he likes to push my buttons. <laughs> I push back because I won't, like, not push back. I'll hold my tongue as far as I can, and then it's all over. Um, but then what happens is when I kind of feel abandoned like that, it, it starts this whole thing, um, the whole big cycle of depression, anxiety, and my go-to move is alcohol, because I don't do pot, which <laughs> I might be on the way home. <laughs> Who knows? Um, but that doesn't help. And, um, you know, the coping mis m misery, the coping mechanisms <laughs> that we have, it's like whack-a-mole, because it's like, oh, okay, I'm going to, you know, try and cope like this with, you know, drugs oh now i'm moving to alcohol or i'm gonna do this and you know it's just kind of like we go down the line it's like i'm gonna i'm gonna find another little addiction you know because mm -hmm. or it's the um eating or not eating it's the you know denying yourself food because um that's always been an issue for me since i was a teenager so then it's like okay well i can't control what's going on so therefore I will control my eating and I'm going to starve myself. Sometimes it's not even intentional, but it's like, I'm not going to eat because just because I don't want to, you know, that two year old mm -hmm. again. And then there's other days where it's like, oh man, like what I do go through like a half thing of ice cream in like two days, a half gallon of ice cream. I'm like, fuck it. Yeah. You know, bring on the ice cream. Or I used to, um, not eat. Like, I was obsessed with uh, calorie counting way back in the day. I'm going to say back in the 80s. And I'd be like, okay, well, today I want cheesecake. So what I'm, I'm going to not do is eat all day, and then I'm going to wait until later in the afternoon and have that big old wampum, you know, piece of cheesecake just because I had to, like, mm. you know, control those calories and control, you know, that um, you know, part of me. So it, it just seems like this chronic, um, fight of, you know, whack-a-mole with addiction too. Mm -hmm. And I've never gotten into, I don't know, any bad things, I guess, but it's, it's always there and it is really hard to control. So, um, what was the other thing? I don't know. 
I, I just, I'm on board with you guys. It's like, you know what? It's easier to be without me than be with me. Because every day that I'm with me, I'm exhausted. So guess what? You see me a couple hours a day. I can't imagine how you're, you, you must be feeling. Wait, maybe you need pot. <laughs> you know? So. Yeah, it can be hard. I think a lot of us have those relationship graveyards where things start out good and then just the trauma and the hardship really takes a toll. And it can be challenging because um, I know for me, as someone who's now very much in control of my borderline, uh, I was in a relationship where the person saw the bad and the good. And honestly, it didn't matter that I had become in recovery, that I had made this progress, that damage had already been done. Mm -hmm. And he ended up ghosting me without warning. And that hurt. It hurt especially because I made that progress through mm -hmm. blood, sweat, and tears. But sometimes you got to just let things go yeah. because that's just human. You can't, you know. You're people. telling people with BPD to let things go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> let me think this through here. <laughs> I mean that, yeah. I mean, I haven't let it go, but, <laughs> you know, sometimes that happens, and it's hard not to judge yourself for having that graveyard, but it's like, it's just, it's just the reality of who we are, and once you move past it, you know, you can do better things, you can have your good and bad days, but sometimes it's hard dealing with other people, you know? Like, when you talk about graveyard, like, my family's a big graveyard, like, they're a huge part, like, I was actually doing some research that family interactions can actually kind of, like, increase your risk for BPD, um, just because it's not even necessarily PTSD, mm -hmm. but, like, the certain ways you maybe have been raised or things like that, um, and as much, like, I hate this because I want to have a quote-unquote normal relationship with my family, like, I think families are supposed to get along, you're supposed to love each other, you're supposed to support each other. Um, and regardless of whether or not my family is dysfunctional, which they completely are, um, and it's, it's just an awful experience, but I still crave that, mm -hmm. you know, and that's one of those really, really hard things where like they can't deal with me. So I've been pushed away from a lot of relationships because of that, but also I can't deal with them. So I've tried to take myself out, but it's this constant up and down because I want to have that family. I think everybody does. And it's not even just like about being loved in general or whatever. I think people just, there's something different about having your friend family than actually having your family. And I think to this day, I will probably never, ever stop trying to get to know my family and actually have a relationship with them, even though it's always negative, but mm -hmm. that's part of the BPD. Yeah. And that's hard. That's like, it's heart wrenching. Like, it hurts deep, especially when, you know, a lot of people, they think uh, BPD is developed from childhood trauma, and a lot of that has to do with families. I mean, I know my father died very suddenly when I was four, and I assume that's where it is grounded for me, even though I had an amazing mother who was like a superwoman to me. You know, sometimes that trauma speaks for itself, and it's hard. It's so hard. Well, I think I've been lucky um, with my immediate family. Um, I mean, even my mother sometimes <laughs> uh, will get me, but 
I'm not so much worried about her, but my uh, relationship with my sister, um, she's completely, she completely gets all of it. And she knows, like, if she calls me, she may be in this great mood or whatever. And I'm just kind of like, mm. you know, it's not like I'm ignoring her, but I'm, you know, I'm just in such a dark place and I'm not very talkative. And she, but she doesn't take that personally. She just knows I'm having a really sucky day and, you know, but she doesn't write me off. So I'm super thankful for that. Yeah, it's great to have that. Yeah. I'm glad to have my mom and my current partner, Sean, who is monitoring the sound right now. You go, Sean. <laughs> Golf clap. It's nice to have someone, even if you have to create your own family, someone that even if they don't personally understand, they can empathize somehow. Like, more like sympathize, or I don't know. I hate the word sympathy. Just get it. Just listen, yeah. you know. Yeah. Someone. Just let you be. Yeah, let you exist and be and... Let you be crazy. Let you be a mess, and yeah. it's fine. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll go on to uh, the next question, which we kind of started talking about. Um, we wanted to talk about some of the symptoms of BPD that are hard for others to understand or grasp, whether it be sensory issues, splitting, dissociation, and we'll define these as we go along. So... Please, everyone, talk about if they experience any of these symptoms and what it's like for them or you. I don't know why I switched to the third person um, and how it affects your daily life. I'll go. I'll just go in order. <laughs> um, so one of my big ones is sensory issues. And, um, you know, people, like, a lot of times associate that with autism spectrum disorders. Um, but it occurs a lot in people with BPD as well. Um, a lot of big things for me, I don't, I don't want to call them triggers, but, like, um, Loud sounds are one of my big things. So not only do I have intense emotions, but I also have intense senses. Um, so I can smell things people can't smell, and I can hear things people can't hear. So when there is a super loud sound, like people always joke, oh, my ears are bleeding. No, like it literally feels like my ears are bleeding, and I can't ex explain that to someone. Um, or like there are certain ways where I don't like certain things to be touching me in a certain way. Um, and I have food texture issues, which is completely bizarre and has probably nothing to do with PPD, but it might. I don't know. Um, but just throw that in the sensory bag um, with everything else. PPD has really weird symptoms um, mm -hmm. now that I actually sit back and think about this. Um, but also, like, lights and certain smells. And when we think about, like, relationships and memories and how they affect us, like, it could be a smell that I associate with from however long ago, like 20 years ago in my life. And then all of a sudden, it just completely switched everything in my life. Um, and it couldn't even be like nobody else can smell it. Like, I'm the only one that can smell it. And then all of a sudden, I start freaking out on everybody. Um, but it's really hard. And a lot of times, you can't avoid those things. Like, I don't know when there's going to be a super loud sound. Um, I mean, I can avoid certain situations like concerts and things like that where I know it's going to be. Um, those things are going to happen. But... Overall, you can't do that. I can't walk around with those noise, like, canceling headphones on all day and, like, be a typical person. Um, so those things, like, anytime there's extreme sensory things, they just throw me into complete panic and then just screw up relationships even more um, because it's it's lingered. Like, if I smell something, it's it sticks with me. Like, I feel like I can smell that for days, and that's all I think about, and I obsess over it and hyperfixate it on it. Um, and then I, like, blame people or yell at people about for, like, causing whatever. Um, makes no sense. 
but mm-hmm. yeah. So sensory issues. <laughs> Good summary. Mm-hmm. Um, my big issue has always been dissociation, which is really kind of scary because then that almost leads you into the multiple personality thing because it's like, okay, I'm in this physical body, but I'm so disconnected. And it's almost like something else takes me, um, an alien takes over. No, but it's like, uh, you know, I'm so disconnected that I like my brain and my personality, everything I'm on autopilot. So all of a sudden now I'm, I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not acting. I was going to say like me, but that could be anybody. Um, so that's always been a huge issue and, and just like watching myself from a, a movie or anything like that. Um, and that's, that's something that's kind of, it's, I'm not kind of, it's really sucky because it makes me feel like I'm missing a lot, missing a lot out on my life because it's like, oh yeah, how did, how'd that movie end? <laughs> you know, what, what happened? The scary thing so, is when you don't know what happened yeah, and then oh, you're yeah, like, because yeah. I've had that done too, where I've like flipped out or like broke something or hurt myself. And then I don't know what happened. Yeah. And people ask me what happened. And I'm like, I honestly don't know because I disassociated from myself at that yeah. point. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I, I know that, um, I don't cut anymore, but the, um, the cutting always brought me back. Mm. Because you see the blood and then you know it's real. Yeah, Yeah. and it's like, I I feel, it's like, oh my God, yeah, I'm alive. You know, like you're so removed mentally, physically, or whatever, so. Yeah, now I have, I have this smooth rock that I keep in my purse and keep, and running the smooth rock through my hands brings me back. And I use it as a positive coping mechanism. So especially if I'm somewhere where I can't leave and I need to come back, I'll just get out my nice smooth rock and just like, yeah. Your pet rock. Yeah, it's like a pet rock. You're having a bad day, you can toss it. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) hopefully not break anything. (laughs) For me, splitting um, is the emotional part about, you know, one minute you're happy um, and then in the middle of being happy, all of a sudden you're either angry or depressed. I guess for me, mostly, melancholy is probably the best state for me to stay in. That way I don't hurt nobody. But I don't want to feel sad. Super mm-hmm. sad all the time. But at least when I'm in that state, um, I feel at least, uh, it's almost my security blanket at this point now. Because then when I'm happy, I, I'm supposed to be happy, but then I, a realization comes over and I'm like, oh shit, everything else is going to follow that. So yeah. I, when is when am I going to get angry when am I going to get mad um or what is going to trigger something so um and then uh, like I said you know I turned to drugs so and then there's this whole you know having to do too much of it either drinking or whatnot it's just like overdoing so much I, I don't know that's kind of what my life is is uh technically always overdoing stuff um or I don't know everything seems bigger than it really is um so that's the sucky part is never knowing. It's hard to leave your house because I'm, I think in advance and I'm like, uh, just because I'm happy now. Like for instance, today the podcast, I'm like, this is so early. Can I quit this thing? I, I, <laughs> it took everything in me to actually 
come here. Um, I did not want to do this. This was such a terrible... I'm like, it sounded great in theory. Um, <laughs> well, I hope you're enjoying it yeah, now. No, actually, yeah, I'm so <laughs> glad because it, it turned out to be really great and super enlightening. Um, so, it, that, but that's just the hard part is, you know, being super excited about some event coming up and then not even just not wanting to go because you're nervous, but more so the fact that it's like, shit, I don't know what's going to happen in the middle of it, during it. Um, so then I tend to either drink or smoke pot um, to calm myself or something. Then I find myself doing a lot of it and then I end up making an ass out of myself because I drank too much or something like that. Um, but yeah, so that's my issue with that is trying to deal with something that is going to spontaneously happen without you knowing and just a floodgate of emotions coming through all the time. And I'm like... Opposites it, at the same time. Well, exactly. Yeah, happy and angry or happy and sad at the same time. And it's just like, uh, nobody has time for this. This is ridiculous. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's super annoying. I annoy myself so bad. I know if I was so-called, air quote, normal... I wouldn't put up with you people at all. Like, I don't know how anybody who does not have BPD can even be in the same room with someone with BPD. They really have, must have want, you know, what's it say about them? They must love abuse. Um, because Masochist. Exactly. Thank you. Because um, it, it's terrible. It's terrible to be around. It's terrible to have... Um, It'd be nice if there was some wonder drug that fixed it all, but I don't know. I, I stopped taking doctor's meds. Yeah, that's brilliant. I stopped taking doctor's meds so I can, you know, medicate myself. Um, but, yeah. But that's so. actually a huge problem with people with mental problems. We self-medicate. Oh, ex exactly. And for years, I had done heroin, but then I had my son, um, and I, I didn't want to be that for him. I didn't want anything so the moment I found out he was pregnant I quit but like, he was pregnant yeah I totally said that didn't I as soon as I found out my ex-wife was pregnant then I quit but so and that's the hard part is actually trying your hardest to deal without any other drugs or something in your life so I mean that's been kind of hard for me is trying to deal with BPD without taking any type of medicine whether it's legal or non-legal um, so yeah that's the sucky part for me um, emotions everywhere, and then I get emotions about not wanting to have emotions, or I get emotions about doing drugs. I'm like, oh, I totally shouldn't do this. And then afterwards, I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm gonna do better next time. That never happens either. <laughs> that never happens. So, but I mean, I'm decent now and just smoke pot. So, so at least um, I got that part under control. So, I guess one thing is somewhat controlled, but. Yeah, I have no idea. I'd love to say that I have a plan, but with BPD, there's no planning. Uh, for me, anyway, I don't want to say for other people, but for me, there's no planning because I could plan as much as I would like, and it doesn't work out that then way. Then you're going to feel guilty. Then I'm going to feel guilty because <laughs> I didn't follow the script or the plan or something. Yeah, so exactly. So I guess now I'm just trying my hardest to take it one day at a time without hurting anybody else or hurting myself. Um, so I guess that's kind of my plan is not hurting anybody or myself and good plan. Take on <laughs> mm -hmm. So that's all.
Well, to, just to let you guys in on a little secret. All right. I've been secret. Oh, it is a secret. Everybody's gonna know about it now. <laughs> no, but I've I've told the group this too. Um, even though, like, and I think it's been about a year that we started having those groups. Um, I can't even tell you how many times, like, I'll plan the group, and I'll be driving, and I'm going, I don't fucking want to do this. I want to be at home. I don't want to go anywhere. I, I mm -hmm. don't, as much as, like, I'm, I know I'm going to be okay when I get there. It's, I'm having anxiety attacks driving down the road and going, like, I don't know. And then, um, but once I'm there, I'm okay. Um, and then the other thing, if anybody has any ideas, like, how do you get borderlines to show up at a meeting? It's, I mean, I get it. Is that a joke? Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, four borderlines walked in a bar. Right? Well, we all showed up today. Um, we got I four know, right? awesome. <laughs> High turnover, though. Yeah. Yeah. But it is, it's very difficult to get, um, you know, borderlines out uh, to a meeting when they, you know, it's hard for us to get out of bed or, you know, whatever the situation is. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was a rhetorical question. Anyway, so. Well, now we're nearing the end of the podcast. Thanks, everyone, for participating, and I hope everyone at home has enjoyed. We're just going to wrap it up with one final question. So... This question is, what advice do you guys have for others living with BPD? And what advice do you have for the general population that maybe is clueless about BPD? Basically, I'll make it short and sweet. Um, like, get help, whether it's, you know, starting off uh, talk therapy or a support group, just like one little start with one little step baby steps and um go from there and there's going to be all sorts of things for everybody to try and not everything's going to work for everybody but the support is definitely a huge issue and the biggest thing is like do it for yourself and not for anybody else the the minute you like start going to group or uh, shrink or whatever because somebody else wants you to, it's not going to work. So, I'm done. Thank you. Yeah, so for me, I guess enjoy the uh, good days as much as possible because it, with BPD, you, it, the one thing you are certain of is that you're going to be on this fucking emotional roller coaster. So, it's going to be bad now, but at least know and take solace in knowing that there will be a good day coming or a good 10 minutes coming. Or something <laughs> like but at least enjoy that. I, I bet that's, that's one key thing that I've been doing. Instead of trying to spend that last, you know, five minutes and dealing with, you know, the bad stuff um, when I'm supposed to be happy and then I lose all happiness. So now I just try to enjoy the happiness whenever it comes or the good stuff whenever it comes and always at least know that you're not alone out here with this. This is very crazy. It's very hard to talk to people about it, but there's a group and a fetish or something for everybody out there. So <laughs> this can't be the worst um, 
So yeah, thank you for having me today. Yeah, thank Set you. Next podcast includes uh, what latex or um, furries. I don't furries? know. All right, let me get change. Anyway, um, <laughs> gotta get serious. So my advice for other people that have bipolar disorder is to know that it's not all your fault a lot of times. Like seriously, you know, we do talk about that our emotions are out of control and our actions and our reactions are out of control. But there are times that it is not your fault. Just because you have borderline personality disorder, just because you're all over the place all the time, doesn't mean that someone's not hurting you or doesn't mean that you deserve something like you do need to trust yourself at least sometimes okay because I know <laughs> I, I certainly don't want to trust myself 90% of the time um, but I think that there are certain things that um, you know in your gut are wrong and that aren't okay and you at the end of the day need to realize like that's not my fault and I can move on and I don't need this person or whatever and it's you know, even though I have this awful condition, like it doesn't command everything of my life and it doesn't give people a right to treat me inappropriately. Um, so that's kind of like my big step stool then. And then I also have a uh, advice to normal people. I don't Neurotypicals. People, yeah, neuro <laughs> neurotypicals, sorry. I hate the word normal too, but I still use it all the time. Um, is that I really don't want people to feel sorry for us. Because, I mean, I, I get, like, it's, it's awful. We get it. Um, but also, don't just think of me as my negatives. Don't just think of me as that person that flips out all the time because my negative emotions are intense. But guess what? So are my positive emotions. And I can love like you wouldn't believe. And, um, you know, we're the best friends. We're the best lovers. We're the best caregivers. We're the best at any of those things that require extreme emotions. And we are honestly, like, probably the best people because – we understand things that a lot of people don't know. And I really think that people forget. They just look at us like, oh, my gosh, you're a psychopath or whatever. No, like, just because I experience things differently, I'm a really good person, and I can show you that extreme love as well. Amen. <laughs> you go, girl. Amen that, to that. that. Yeah. Well, that's a great <laughs> note. On that note, thank you all for tuning in today. Thank you to our amazing panelists. Thank we you. had some great thank conversations you. today. And uh, tune in next time. Bye. Bye. Peace out. Bye. <laughs>